Blog Talk Radio. Monday, June 11th. I'm your host, Lisa Saunders, coming to you live from Baltimore, Maryland, as I will be doing every Monday at 6.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Tonight, we have a very special show for you this evening, and I am pleased to have co-hosting with me again, Ms. Teresa Hamilton, who is the CEO and founder of Making It Happen Incorporated. We will be taking calls later on in the show, so if you would like to call in with questions and participate in the conversation, that number is 347-237-4518. That's 347-237-4518. I will also try to take your questions. I have already opened up the chat screen, so if you would like to ask a question or comment on uh, something that you've heard, or even to chat with our guests for this evening, feel free to do so. Before we get started, um, I just want to let you know, as usual, I'm also interested in talking with new and seasoned authors who have written motivational books and would like to promote their book on my program. I have sponsor rates available to send to you if you're looking for more sales. This is an excellent vehicle to make that happen. Once again, my sales have increased even since the last show, um, and as well as our websites have been doing exceptionally well. So again, I want to thank all of you who have purchased my book and visited our website. Also, if you have a business that you would like to promote, this is a great way to do so. We have picked up quite a a few listeners since the beginning, and we are continuously growing and growing and growing. You can send me a message through this site if you have tuned in via your computer, or you can send a message through my Facebook page, A Date with Destiny, or you can leave me a message via my website at yourdestinyawaits.net. And uh, one more way you can contact me is by emailing me at lms at yourdestinyawaits.net. This evening's program, we will be talking about it's all about the journey. It's not so much where we've been, but where we are now. So at this point, I want to bring in uh, Teresa Hamilton. Teresa, are you there? Yes, I am, (laughs) and it's good to hear your voice, Lisa. It's good to speak with you as well. Uh, Last week, we talked about the... Will um, will the real you stand up? The two faces yeah. that we live with, and how to better maneuver the spirit side of self rather than the ego. Correct. 
And we had such an overwhelming response from that show. People really enjoyed um, listening in. And um, I had actually quite a few uh, people that left me messages and commented, and we kind of continued the conversation on from there. So I'm really appreciative for that. Um, But before we delve into our topic this evening, I now want to welcome Ms. Cheryl White. Um, And before I bring her on, Cheryl is one of those rare individuals who gets to be the first in something significant that will forever remain in our history books. For those of you who don't know and haven't seen my post about tonight's show, Cheryl White is the first African-American woman horse jockey. Cheryl uh, was one of racing's pioneers, actually. It was reported by one source that Cheryl was one of only three African-American jockeys in America at that time. On October 19, 1983, Cheryl became the first female jockey to win five thoroughbred races in one day at a major track. In her career, she has written about, now you guys ready for this number? I just think this is phenomenal. In her career, she has written about 750 winners. Now, that number has probably increased. I don't know. We'll ask her when I I bring her on. But 750 winners, and that list includes thoroughbreds, quarter horses, Arabians, paint, and Appaloosa races. Cheryl has been quoted in saying she was the leading Appaloosa rider in America for five years. She also led in stake victories and topped the riding standings at fair meets in Northern California in the 70s. So without further ado, we will bring on Ms. Cheryl White. Ms. Cheryl White, how are you this evening? Well, I'm doing fine, thank you, and very honored to be part of this show. Oh, well, we're very honored to have you on with us, Cheryl. You have no idea how excited we are to be chatting with you tonight. Well, I hope I can keep up. (laughs) (laughs) You'll do fine. You'll do just fine. Um, When we talked this week, Cheryl, you told me that uh, when you were younger, um, before you started even riding horses, you wanted to be an algebra teacher. Is that correct? Yes, that was my plans when I was in high school. That was your plan in high school. So, and now, now I know the story, but I want you to tell the, you know, share the story. And how did that uh, plan change? And at what point did it change? You know, I'm not exactly certain what point it changed. My plans mm-hmm. were to go to college. I wanted to uh, be an algebra teacher, and I also wanted to play on the women's basketball team. So I chose mm-hmm. my college by the team that the school that had the best women's basketball team at that time. But Uh I probably would have been disappointed had I gone because I was from a small place, and you kind of rule in small places. When you get to the big city, it's a little different story. Uh But uh the women were allowed to ride in 1969, Mm -hmm. and uh, Barbara Jo Rubin was the first woman to ever win a race back in Mm -hmm. Charlestown, I believe. Mm -hmm. And... uh, her and Diane Crump, Diane Kushner, mm-hmm. Kathy Kushner, I'm sorry, um, yes. they started the path for the rest of us women who wanted to follow along. 
Mm-hmm. So I started uh, I started riding in 71. My father trained horses. My mother owned horses. So I grew up in the industry. That was my okay. my week, my weekend gig as a kid, going to the racetrack right. with my dad. So um, I, my dad uh, didn't think I was ready to ride races, but being I'm a little hard-headed, and <laughs> I was his daughter, he decided to throw me on a horse and give me a shot. And so there it all started. It all started then. And you gave yourself a nickname. Um, what, what is it that you call yourself when it comes to horses? You said that you are, um, what was it that you said, a horse? Uh, oh, horse. I don't know. I, I, I don't really know. I, I consider myself part horse because yeah, I part can horse. communicate <laughs> and, and I understand, you know, the little things that they try to tell you in their mm-hmm. language that they can only, the only way they can speak to you. Yeah, you know, we talked about that the other day, and um, I thought that was rather interesting because, you know, by uh, studying horses myself and just watching all kinds of programs and so on and so forth, they really do, um, animals have a language of all of their own, it only, and you can understand it if you just pay attention, especially horses. Well, you know, that's I what find I horses. Uh-huh. I may be alone in that belief, but that's what I think. Well, I mean, come on. Now, what 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 was that number that I read that you have <laughs> written about 750 winners? So, I think that your word is is very uh valid in this case. <laughs> I mean, cuz come on. Who who else can well, maybe they are. I don't know everybody's stats, but 750 winners. I think that's phenomenal. Has that number changed? Uh not for me. It's it okay. as a phenomenal number, though, because there's a lot of women riding today that have way surpassed that number. You know. Yeah, but when you started, you started back in, I think, what was it now? Was this 1971? Yes. When you rode your first race. So for that time period and for you to be the first um, black woman to actually ride in races, I, you know, I don't care who comes after you. Someone, there's always someone paving the way uh, for others to be able to, you know, get in and um, uh, do what it is we want to do. I mean, and that that goes for acting, singing, writing, anything. You open the door for other black women to say, you know what, maybe it is okay that I do this. So I think that, you know, you're very humble. You are just so humble because I'm like, wow. I just find it very incredible. Teresa, did you have any questions or anything you yes, wanted to I add? Yes, I do. Actually, it's related to um, you mentioned that, yes, you do love horses, and I wonder, um, I'm sure there's a relationship, but it doesn't necessarily have to be a positive one. But do you need to be a lover of horses to be a successful jockey? Do you think that's a, a must? And second, what does the communication need to be with you and the horse to be successful at what you do, if that's the case? Um, I don't think you have to be a lover of horses to do it, but it kind of helps if that's your job. Uh, the things that you feel, I believe, generate to the horses. So if you absolutely didn't like them, I think they would know it, and I think they would probably not respond. You wouldn't be able to get their best effort out of them if they didn't think you liked them. I don't, you know, I don't know. And then in your relationship with the horse, what, what is that communication like? I mean, 
you know, I'm just curious when you're riding them, are you talking, what kinds of things do you find helpful in your successful run? Um, what what were some of the things that you, you would do? Every horse is an individual, as we uh-huh. are, and they all mm-hmm. have their own nuances and, mm-hmm. and things that they like or don't like as far as riding them. In the mm-hmm. course of a race, there's things that you do as a rider that are atypical, mm-hmm. but there are also some things that certain horses may not like. And mm-hmm. I feel that you have to be relatively in tune mm-hmm. and be able to read and understand those little motions that they give you that tell you whether they like mm-hmm. or don't like something. Not mm-hmm. all riders are capable of that. And mm-hmm. um, I felt fortunate in being able to be one of them. I felt one of them riders. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right, and and you definitely were. Well, well, back then, Cheryl, when you first started out and you started your first couple of races, um, did you recognize at that time? Because how old were you then when you started? Seventeen. My father 17. wouldn't. Let, I could have rode the year before, but my dad wouldn't let me ride until I graduated. <laughs> okay. All right. So you, when you graduated and you started riding in your first couple of races, were you aware then? You know, I'm quite sure you were, but how aware? Let me let me change that. How aware were you then in that time period of the racism that was uh, surrounding the whole racing industry, actually, and especially for a women, and then by you being the only black woman jockey? Um, I probably wasn't that aware. Mm-hmm. I was a kid. I was <laughs> uh, doing something that was fun and that I wanted to try. Okay. And uh, all the hoopla that went with it was uh, good, but after a while, you know, your typical kid thing, you're like, hey, okay, this is enough, man, you know. Right, but, right. It, it, but it was it was interesting. I, I never saved anything being the typical kid and not thinking, uh-huh. you know, that it would be something I'd want down the road. Um, now that I'm older, I wish that I would have kept a lot of the uh, worldwide press that I did receive, it would be interesting to go back now and look at. Right. Yeah, I'm quite sure because, I mean, you were even, on some of the research that I've done on you, and you know, um, we I entered in your, into your life several, several years ago, but when I started doing the research um, on you and then I saw that you were on the cover of Jet Magazine and some other magazines that featured you, um you know, that's a huge accomplishment for anybody to achieve. Yes. Yes. And, again, like I stated earlier, you, you're you going down in history, um, you know, and I just think that that is phenomenal, absolutely phenomenal. Let me ask you this. I don't think I asked you this question. Do you still ride? I mean, of course, not racing, but, like, do you just ride for pleasure? Um, It's not, well, it, it, all my riding is pleasure but it's not pleasure <laughs> as it would be to most people. Um, okay. I, I exercise during the winter. During the summer, I work as a racing official at, on the Ferris, Northern California Fair Circuit, and therefore I'm not allowed to gallop. It's considered a conflict of interest. But during oh. the winter, um, when I'm kind of a civilian because I don't work anywhere during the winter anymore, and mm-hmm. uh, I exercise horses, and I, okay. I have to exercise horses to get fit for the Lady Legends race that Baltimore has held the last three years. 
And yeah, tell I us said, about that a little bit. I've been proud on that a bit. Be a part of that experience. Oh, uh-huh. it is absolutely wonderful. Baltimore Chemical, <laughs> everybody associated with putting this race together, has done nothing but treat all of us women very well. It, 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 they just they put on a great show. I'm sorry that you haven't made it to see it yet. But, I know, I know. I but promise Baltimore you, has I just embraced us and and treated us just great. And I promise you, I promise you, if you're going to do this next year, we're we're not going to lose contact. I promise (laughs) you that I will be there front and center next year. So please let me know. Keep in touch with me and let me know if they're going to do it so that, you know, I'm going to put it on my calendar. I'm coming. (laughs) Well, if they have it again next year, I hope that I'm fortunate enough to be invited again. Yeah. Oh, Um, you're a girl. If they don't invite you back, we're going to fight. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> they do uh, advertise it highly. It's the it's the pink day that the Susan G. Komen, you know, sponsors oh, it awesome. and, and everything too. And it's the day before the Preakness. It's right. kind of Ladies' Day, so it's yeah, it's really a great event. We have a lot of fun. Yes, well, yeah. and 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 real quick, I'm not going to keep you long. Um, tell me a little. Well, tell us a little bit about the. Um, induction that's getting ready to happen in your life that you shared with me about the Appaloosa Hall of Fame? Yeah, it's kind of cool. I, uh, they contacted me last year. A gentleman contacted me and, and wanted to uh, kind of interview me and stuff and said that he wanted to nominate me for for induction into the Appaloosa Hall of Fame. And uh, then they notified me a few months later that I was being um inducted into the Hall of Fame there and it's in, it's a, it's being held at Tulsa, Oklahoma, July fifteenth. Wow. I don't know wow. Go there, That's though. Awesome. It's it's kinda I'll be working and, and the flights are kind of expensive nowadays. So. But it is an honor. I think I was yeah. I've been leading Appaloosa Rider in California on the fair circuit four or five times, six times, I don't know, and I think wow. of, of the country five times, so it's wow. kind of cool. It's, it's an honor. Well, Wonderful. let me ask you this: Do you have? Do you prefer one horse over another horse, like a diff, like a style of horse? You know, when we talk about Appaloosa, or the Arabian, or the thoroughbred, or quarter horse, do you have one that you prefer over another? Winners. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we'll take that. <laughs> so, in, in other words, it doesn't matter. I felt like I was the kind of rider that was able to adapt to whatever kind of style of racing the horse needed. Some go uh-huh. from some come from behind, you know, whatever that. works. I felt that uh-huh. I could adapt and and, and uh, handle any kind. And so, therefore, any breed works for me as long as they can run fast enough to win. Well, let me ask, oh, someone just uh, texted online on the chat. Um, they've got, uh, little hearts around in your name saying, I love you, Cheryl. Isn't that <laughs> well, let me, um, so, because you know what, I, I just admire the fact, you, you're like, you're very, you're a competitive person, and I love that. And, you know, very this just came so. to me. I'm I'm wondering if, do you, are there, any, is there any footage out there of you that, you know, we can, like, click on and just check out one of your races of the past or anything like that? Do you know of anything like that? Um, you know, I don't, I got a little clip of some winners made a couple different times because I, I, there was an event for women in sports 
in L.A. Mm -hmm. that they um, honored me and a lot of women in sports and a couple years, and then I also had a clip made of some winners for an organization in Kentucky that was trying to get another, like a a, a horse park, but kind of for the black historic mm-hmm. side of things over in mm-hmm. Louisville. But I don't know that they, you know, what they did with it or anything. Oh, okay, darn, because I was like, I would have loved to have been able to see that. But you know what? Um, I'm coming out there. I'm going to come visit you, and when I well, do. Well, I can probably well, mail you that. I probably have that CD somewhere, or I can oh, cool. it on my computer and, and email it to you or something. Oh, could you? That would be great. Now, if you do that, would you mind me posting it on my Facebook page for everybody to see? No, but oh, oh, it plays. Oh, they play clips. See, I go. I'm on Facebook, but I very seldom go. <laughs> oh, okay. So, so I didn't know if clips play or not, but I guess they you link them to it or something, huh? Yeah. Well, I tell you what. This is what I'll do for you. Once you email it to me, I will work it out so that I can get it on. You know, get it up and running, and then I will send that to your Facebook page. How about that? Okay, that's cool. And then maybe yeah. we can get some kids interested in becoming jockeys. Down yeah. There. yeah. Oh and, my God, I would love that. Yeah. <laughs> and related and, and to know, that, I have. Uh, uh-huh. I just have one question. I'm sure that there are a number of people who've tuned in who are very interested in possibly some young budding uh, women jockeys out there. Are, are there any skill sets that you think they would need, or are there things that you could suggest to them to do now to make to ensure uh, success as a as a jockey should that be a career path for someone? I, I, it's kind of an up and down business. I don't know that you can ensure success, you know, mm-hmm. in anything uh-huh. that you endeavor. But I think that you need to have a a good work ethic. You uh-huh. have to ride the ups and downs with it. And I think you, a lot of the kids that are starting to ride nowadays, they, they I don't know, it's just a different era than when we uh-huh. started. And and mm-hmm. I believe that you need to. I mean, you have to have a natural balance, mm-hmm. you know, feet wise anyway. But but I think working and listening and and mm-hmm. not reaching the point where you think you know it all, you know, <laughs> okay. even my because you learn. Even uh, many of the old writers nowadays will tell you they're still learning new things. It just wow. every day. Uh huh. Wow. Wow. Yeah, and you know, um, I, we have a caller that's on air, um, and I'm going to put the caller on because they've been very patient and waiting. But before I do that, Cheryl, I have another uh, question for you, actually. Well, it's more than, it's a, it's actually a statement. Um, Teresa and I, I, you know, we're going to talk about this, but I want to come visit. And when I do, I and I don't know, you said that you can't, there's a period of time when you can't ride leisurely or you can ride or, because I want to get on a horse. I want you, I want you to put me on a horse. <laughs> oh. And I want to trot around so I can say that Cheryl White put me on a horse and I rode that bad boy. And yeah, with pictures. I can ride on days. I just can't, I can't, I can ride, I just, I can't. Exercise, right? I got you. Mm-hmm. you mm-hmm. Know, but mm-hmm. no, I can ride. Okay, so we're gonna make that. We're gonna make that trip. 
you know, we're going to plan it, and we're going to come out there, and, you know, we'll we'll get it organized and everything, and we'll take all kinds of pictures and so on and so forth. But before um, I go any further, I'm going to see who this is on the line, and um, we're going to invite this caller in at this time with an area code of 602. Hello, caller. You're on the air. Arizona. Good evening. Good evening. How are you? Doing great. <laughs> That's good. Did you have a question or a comment for Cheryl? I just wanted to say hi to Cheryl. Been a long time <laughs> since uh, I've seen her. Okay, yeah, so I who are we been, speaking I with? I haven't been in Arizona for a while. <laughs> yeah. Oh, Cheryl, so you know who this is? No, but I, I know the area code. Oh, okay. Okay, well, call her. Yeah. Do you want to let her know who you are? Yeah, it's Lumpy. Hey, what's happening? So you, I think, are you the one that's on the the divine one? Yes. Oh, okay. Yeah. So you're the one who said I know Cheryl very well. So did you guys ride together, or how do you know Cheryl? No, I used to work on the Northern Cal Fairs as a jockey agent. Oh, okay. Very good. So very I was good. Yeah, I have not seen him since '05. That's you haven't seen him since '05. Yep, that's the last time I was in Arizona. He's wow. been out here for a while now. <laughs> wow. Well, well, you know what? We want to thank you so much for calling in and saying hello. It's good to hear from you again. You take care. All right. I'll see you this summer. Okay. Cool. All right. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Bye. 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 And, Cheryl, you know, um, I just wanted to say this uh, before we let you go this evening. Um, when I contacted Cheryl, it's been over, Lord, maybe a good mm, 11 or 12 five years, years now. maybe. Yeah, it's, it's been, oh, yeah wow. it's been that long. It's been that long. And, um, <laughs> yeah, it really does. And I um, contacted Cheryl because at the time I was uh, contracted with the National Great Blacks and Wax Museum here in Baltimore, Maryland, and I contacted Cheryl uh, to see if she would agree to have her figure made and inducted into the National Great Blacks and Wax Museum, and at that time she had agreed, um, And but the museum was going through a whole lot of changes at that time, and they still, as a matter of fact, they're coming to a place now where they can go back and revisit some of the people that will in the future be inducted, and I'm really hoping that Cheryl, uh, well, I know that Dr. Martin, who's the founder and CEO, still wants her in there. Um, they are now uh, undergoing a 25,000-square-foot expansion, and the the, uh, the groundbreaking and all of that is supposed to happen in 2014. So I know that it's a place for you in that museum, Cheryl, and I also want to once again extend the invitation to you when you come back to Baltimore. I will personally take you through there myself. Um, and give you a tour and introduce you to Dr. Martin, um, and and we can just work out all the details at that point. Okay, that works. I'm hold you to it. <laughs> all right, sweetie. Well, we're going to look, Teresa. Now you heard me, right? We're yes. going to figure out when yeah. we can make our way out there. Yeah, now, Cheryl, let me awesome. ask you this one question: How's the weather? Is it really, really, really hot out there in the summertime? Most of the time, yes, but if there's not, there's, we don't have the humidity that they have okay. back there. So it's just it's just a hot 
Well, would it be better if we came like around the you know September October time when it's not so hot? It's just as hot then. <laughs> okay, so it doesn't matter. It's hot. When you're coming, the location of where I'm at, because on the fairs we move every two weeks to a different fair. Okay, and how long does that go on? About it's we start next week at Pleasanton and we end uh-huh. mid October at the Fresno Fair. Oh, okay. So we'll keep in touch. We'll we'll work it out and get it together. Yeah, you All can right. check out the fair circuit <laughs> at North, Cal, or CalFairs.com. What is it again? CalFairs.com. Okay. okay, I will do that. Well, Cheryl, thank you so much for spending some time with us and yes. and chatting with everyone. It's been wonderful. I yes. hope that, you know, you can come back again and, and share some more stuff with us one well, of these thank days. Thank you very much for including me. Yeah, no problem. All right, sweetie. Well, you take care, and we will definitely be in touch. All righty. You too. Thank you. All right. right. Uh Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Oh, it was wonderful speaking with her. Yes, yes. And she and, and the fact that she said she just loved to win. I love that answer. <laughs> I know. Oh, I know. That's awesome. That's so. That's in, awesome. in actuality, it doesn't really matter. Um, you know, as far as I guess the horse, because if you're good at what you do, you yeah, can get on that yeah. horse and make that horse a winner. Right. Exactly. Exactly. And that's so. What she I has think done. That that's phenomenal. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and you know, um, Teresa, uh, moving on to our topic for this evening, um, it's all about the journey. It's not so yeah. much about where we've been, but where we are now. And right. we talked in one of the previous shows about how so many people are hurting and in pain. Yeah. And I believe some of the cause of that pain stems from past hurt that has never been dealt with fully and properly. There are things that have happened to us in our lives that we bury and try to forget that they've ever happened or existed. So, yes, we can do that with most things, but with some things we just can't. And I find that until we are able to fully release and let go of whatever it was that deeply hurt us, then we will still be a slave to that emotion. We can't be fully whole until we do the necessary work to let it go. Correct, correct. And I think that um, as we continue on our own personal journeys, that that's a challenge for each of us because we are often holding on to a lot of things that have hurt us. And lots of times the things that have hurt us are either family or friends. They're usually rarely from outside sources. And Mm -hmm. it's not until we release some of those past hurts, some of those feelings of animosity and bitterness and come to a uh, a point when we can release that we will finally be able to uh, uh, be on our true path or reach our true destiny. That's right. That's right. And and when I say, when I said um, the necessary work, you know, I mean a purging of the soul. You know, we need yeah. to face that demon head on and believe that when we do, 
We are yes. going to come out on the other side a whole person. Most of us are walking around as a half person because of the things that have happened in the past that wasn't so pleasant, but they yes. never dealt with it properly. And uh, something that happened to us 20 or 30 years ago can still have a very negative effect on us today if you haven't fully confronted it and right. released it. Yes, yes, yes. You know, and, and so um, there... Mm-hmm. Go ahead. Mm-hmm. Go on. Yeah, and I was just thinking about, you know, I've found that the more you can kind of purge yourself, and lots of times you don't know it's there. It's just someone will walk across the room or someone will mm-hmm. come into your presence. And like I said, most of the time it's family members and friends, and you'll mm-hmm. just get this tinge of, oh, not him or her again. You know, mm-hmm. you don't even know it's there until right. you – And but I would encourage the guests to really examine those feelings because forgiveness and, – and Christ often talked about the need to forgive our brother and all, but forgiveness is one of the most critical uh, oh my God! Things that we need to do in order to really be all that God destined us to be, because God is all about love. And I'm That's finding right. that the more we employ love to our family, our friends, our brothers, the greater and greater our lives become. That's right. That is so right. And you know, um, again, in my book, Destiny Awaits the pouring out of wisdom for humanity to drink. I dedicated a whole chapter about forgiveness, and I felt like for my first time out there as an author, it was Mm -hmm. so important to talk about uh, certain things that are very vital to our Mm -hmm. uh, well-being, you know, to our Mm -hmm. mental health, and forgiveness is definitely one Mm -hmm. of those things. Um, Mm -hmm. So, you know, people find them, often find themselves, you know, uh, in the same place doing the same thing uh-huh. and all the while being miserable and not understanding why. And uh-huh. I know for a fact because of my own journey and some things, you know, my my uh-huh. own experiences in life, you know, uh-huh. I, I understand how vital forgiveness is. Uh-huh. You know, uh-huh. um, you <laughs> it's a cancer that can eat away at your inner being. Uh Um, And uh until you heal that cancer, until you take care of it and and purge it, you Uh know, you're still going to go through life just, you know, existing and not being fulfilled because Uh you haven't faced the the beast. You haven't Uh faced that thing within you that you're still holding on to. Uh Um, And Uh so that brings me to ask the question, why do you think it's so hard for us to let go of the past? You know, I have found it. It is most mostly because sometimes it's too painful to confront it. Oh, that's you know, a good point. we are uh-huh. yeah, we are afraid to deal with things that really hurt us. Uh-huh. So we think uh-huh. that by not confronting it, it's yeah. over, it's done, and it's finished. And for some, uh-huh. that may work, but uh-huh. most of the time, that one thing. That will rear, you know, will rear its ugly little head and come back to uh-huh. haunt us. And by not uh-huh. confronting it, causes all kinds of anxiety and other mental and physical illnesses. Right, 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 right. You're absolutely right. And it's hard work, and you know, some to a degree may need to seek out counseling. Um, but in general, if you put the time in, it 
really you have to just start with the desire to change, the desire to get over a situation. And usually it's just the desire, and then things will happen uh, to help unravel uh, whatever concern or issue you may have. Right. And it shows up in so many places. It can impact your life in so many different ways. Um, I have uh, someone who belongs to our Making It Happen group give me a call earlier this week, and she had an issue with a family member, and Mm. she's had it since a child, and she just, as a result, her life in general, she suffered some um, unfortunate effects, like just dealing every day with her work, with her job. She had, you know, anxiety issues and just all kinds of concerns. But it wasn't until she released the very thing that was causing her all of this anxiousness, which was her poor relationship, and it was a poor relationship with her mm-hmm. mother, that she mm. was able to be free. And right. when you talk to this person, it, it's just like a veil has been lifted. A new person has emerged. Her voice sounds different. Her smile is different. Her talk is different. And so mm-hmm. it's just I'm so happy for her for coming to this realization because literally I feel like she's given birth to a new person, to a new self. Wow. That's awesome. Yeah. That is awesome. And and see, and that's the thing. We don't sometimes even understand or realize that there's something in there <laughs> mm-hmm. that we are holding on to, um, again, because that's because we're we're really afraid to face our fears. Yeah. And um, that goes back to being true to yourself and being mm-hmm. honest with you. It's not about anybody else. It's not about mm-hmm. your mama. It's not about your daddy. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not about your friends. You know, it's about you. Um, because uh-huh. at the end uh-huh. of the day, you have to spend time with you. Right. You know, um, and I just want to say real quick that uh, one of the people on the chat, the, the gentleman that called in to speak with Cheryl, he uh, posted that um, that he was so grateful for this program this evening because he said that he had been thinking about a return to the horse racing business. Wow. And this is a, wow. this is the sign that he was waiting for and oh, thank you, you know, he so he said thank you. And you know, that's how life works um because yeah. you never know what who the messenger is. Mhm. Mhm. You know, um, and one of the things that Cheryl stated, and you and I have talked about this quite often and even on other programs, is, you know, back in the beginning in our youth, you know, is where our dreams and our passions are truly birthed. Right, And some of us are fortunate enough to be able to walk in that thing at that point in time. Um, And and I always say that people who go to school for one thing or another, most people aren't even doing that now. Whatever it is no. they went to school for, they're not even they're not even doing it now, you know. So and I remember how we talked about how um, whatever our parents may have done, you know, yeah. in their careers yeah. or whatever, we yeah. sort of adapt that in some way. Yeah. And isn't she like yeah. living proof of that? Yes, yes, and that's um, one of the things that the Making It Happen group has uh, we've developed. Um, it's a, we call it a personnel person. A personal profile, and essentially right. it, we ask 10 questions related to your past to kind of find your purpose. Because there are a lot right. of people out there that all of this sounds nice and they're listening to us talk, but they're like really clueless about what their God-given uh, destiny should be. And right. one of the first questions I ask on that is what have your parents done? And that could be your stepmother, 
your, you know, adopted uh, uh, mother, anybody who is either given birth to you or who has raised you, we always ask because you'll find that we don't fall too far behind what our parents have done. And That's in right. the case of Cheryl, she has, um, like she said, her father raised horses and her mother owned them. So there mm-hmm. is always some ten, a tidbit of our parents that that carries on. Now, it's rare, and, and I can say it's rare because I'm a statistician in, in, in some circles, but it's very rare that someone will choose a profession that is totally not what their parents have done. Even in the case of Donald Trump, as most of you know, his father was in real estate, but he didn't take mm. it to the level that Donald has right. taken it to. So almost right. all of us have that kind of blueprint DNA um, that we w- if we look to our parents, it would be uh, something that we would be interested in doing as oh my well, gosh. maybe slightly different or not, but still very interested in doing and becoming. Oh, my God, and that is just so that is so true. And for me, and you know my story, yeah. um, and the things that I have just started to discover about myself and yeah. how true that is, it's like, wow, you know, you, you look at that and, you're, you know, your your parents. Yeah. And um that's just so true. And even with my own children, you know, mm-hmm, both of my children, mm-hmm. I have a son and a daughter, I'm both grown. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. both of them have aspects of both myself and my husband. You know, mm-hmm. they're both creative, they both love the arts. One is, you mm-hmm. know, totally musically inclined and loves, you know, the acting aspect of it and he's an art, you know, he's a he's a creative artsy type of a person, whereas mm-hmm. my daughter, she has the film aspect of me and, yeah. the, you know, she loves the sports. I mean, so it's like you look at your kids yeah. and, and you see even, yourself. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. You know, so, <laughs> again, we go back to talking about um, trying to figure out, you know, our journeys and yeah. the purpose of our journeys. Um, and what we need to understand is that we are all here to experience, to experience life in this realm. We are yeah. here to experience love, joy, happiness, and peace, and to have it in great abundance. We are here to be awakened to the fact that we are yeah. powerful beings yeah. and that we yeah. were given power and dominion over everything of the earth. It is yeah. part of our inheritance to have whatever we want in order to be fulfilled. But most of us are not there and sadly will never arrive there unless they really deep down uh, do to the depth of their souls know, mm-hmm. they have to know, they have to know mm-hmm. exactly what it is they're wanting. I mean, they really have to go deep, right? And I and, and they I have say, to, I, mm-hmm. yeah. And you, I think the deep piece is where they have to go. Yeah, and, you know, and, and going deep means finding alone time with yourself to really assess and find yeah. out. And actually, in my book, um, Eight Steps to a Fulfilling Life, I do talk about how to find your purpose. And again, it is just wonderful to hear the caller that called in for Cheryl, because this person was, like you said, seeking, trying to figure out what it is he wanted to do. And I right. always say the first journey, the first thing you need to do in seeking your purpose is to ask God. That's right. always a good start. And then the second right. thing is I believe strongly in reading 
and seeking, just seeking. I, I'm an avid reader, and we encourage people on this program all the time, you do, Lisa, is to make sure that you read. And it doesn't always have to be the Bible or any spiritual books, but any type of books that you get your hand on. Knowledge is so important. And then yeah. the third thing is the most important piece, and that is listening to that small, still Yes, voice. yes, is yes. That, that Our GPS is with us. Yes, our GPS system, but we're so busy clouding it out with television. We cloud it out with the chatter of the kids if we're parents. We cloud it out with the bills, and we've got these looming bills. All of that chatter needs to be shut down in order uh, for us to really get in tune with what our true purpose in life happens to be. Right. Yeah, and and we need to fully move past the past and live yeah. in the now. Whatever right. it is that you've been holding on to, whatever it is that you thought that you buried, but you find that it continues to creep back in your life, deal with it so you can move on. Call it out. Speak to yeah. it and let it know that it has no more control over you. You are over the hurt, over the pain, over the fear. You are stronger than it will ever be. You know, um, laugh in its and, face and tell yeah. it to be gone. <laughs> yeah, you know, it yeah. no longer has any power over you. It lives exactly. in the past, and you are now in the present. Yes, and Lisa, related to that, and that's so powerful. I'm just getting goosebumps hearing you uh, say that. But there is a book by Eckhart Tolle called The mm. Power of Now. It's a guide yes. to spiritual enlightenment. And yes, yes, yes. I've... Even, like I always say, that even as much knowledge as, you know, we've amassed in reading, you can never know enough. And this yeah. book was is very, very helpful at really getting into the now. And get, mm-hmm. once you get into the power of now, how freeing and liberating it is for you. So exactly. I would encourage the callers out there to, if there's a book that you want to pick up that really deals with the issue we're speaking to on this show this evening, it's The Power of Now. By yeah, that is a very, very, very powerful book. Um, yeah. And again, um, I will reiterate that if you're wondering what books, well, what books should I read? I don't know where to start. I don't know where to, mm-hmm. where to begin. Well, I'm so glad that you asked that question. Um, <laughs> visit my website, yourdestinyawaits.net, and I have a book recommendations link. Click on that link, and I have several books that I have read um, that will aid and guide you to having a better spirit-filled and fulfilling journey uh, where you will gain more knowledge, where you will be awakened to something that's better and greater than than your mind can even fathom. Um, So I do encourage everybody that's listening, go on that site, yourdestinyawaits.net, click on the book recommendations list, and just pick any one of those books. Um, And I haven't updated it recently, but there's there's so many books that um, as they come to me, I will continue to, to update that particular site. Um, You know, so that you guys can and uh, be constantly in the know. Yes. Um, yes. And yes. one. And, go ahead. Uh-huh. No, I'm done. <laughs> 
No, I was just going to say real quick um, before I close out, I wanted you, we had uh, uh, our nonprofit organization, the, um, the Wise Men of the New Millennium Making It Happen, had a wonderful, wonderful, successful meeting um, on Saturday, and I wanted you to kind of just expound on that a bit, if you will. Yes. <clears throat> I just wanted to um, mention that the Wise Men of the New Millennium is a group and it's specifically geared towards African-American men, actually. And the goal of the group is to deal with issues facing that group in particular. Um, there are a number of issues. Um, there have been a number of reports out. One is the Schultz Report, which I reference a lot, that deals with there's uh, some alarming things happening with this group of men. And when we look around and realize there just isn't an out for them, that they mm -hmm. are responsible for um, making happen in their lives. They're just, you know, there isn't a group, a leadership group. I know there are 100 uh, uh, concerned black men and there are a number of fraternities, but we wanted a group that specifically the mission of the wise men um, of the new millennium making it happen is to center on current issues that are facing the African-American male. And specifically what the group does is to uplift the African-American male so that he will stand strong for his family and community and accomplish all that God has destined him to be. And so uh -huh. the group uh, came about as a result of my mom had a passion and a, and a love for young men. And mm -hmm. she was one of those people who visited prison. She really lived out, you know, we there are a number of Christians, but the key is to being a Christian is you have to, be a Christian not only in the church but outside the church. And my mom was a big believer in going to prisons and truly helping those people that are suffering. And so that's mm -hmm. essentially what the wise men is about. And what we do is we uh, believe in a strong teaching of African-American history and we stand on strong biblical and motivational principles to help African-American men to continue to make significant familiar social and economic accomplishments. And like I said, there are a number of us facing a lot of, uh, especially with this group, there, there's a lot of crises happening, and we want to help to do all that we can to uplift the group because you always hear the negative. And one of the mm -hmm. things that we discuss uh, uh, about this group is that some uplifting and powerful things like the number of firsts uh, amongst African-American men so that they can have a rich, deep history and something that they can feel proud of and live up to rather yeah. than hearing all about the negative. Yeah, So that's, that's the right. group. That's and wonderful. this Saturday we met uh, the group. Oh, I didn't meet, but uh, the group met for the very first time, and there were a number of them in this group who really came away feeling uplifted, feeling like, they could yeah. do more and accomplish more in a positive way. And yeah. so um, it's for really all ages, uh, although it's centered around men over 18, uh, right. the group will also cater to young men because I know when I was growing up, one of the uh, significant things that always happened to me is that my mother took me along to everything that she attended. So if she mm -hmm. went to Bible class, I went along. Whatever function, uh, leadership function, I went along. And I believe that when we bring our children along, we're really training them up. We're teaching them proper behavior and the ways to do this or that. And so that's the premise of the group. We just started the group, and we're just very, very happy for the men, and we look forward to the men doing some wonderful and terrific 
things in the future. That sounds wonderful, Teresa. And I know that the group is going to grow um, because it's a positive thing that you're doing. And um, yeah. uh, every meeting, you know, new people are going to come on board, and it's just going to catch on like wildfire. So, you know, I'm just grateful that, you know, there are things, whatever our mind can conceive, we can achieve. Yeah. You yeah, know, um, yeah, and the yeah. things that we always talk about and we want to do in, in regards to helping other people, truly, truly having a heart for people, you yeah, know, um, yeah. those are the things that we implement and we, you know, we put things out there. And so, again, like I said in one of the other shows, that we're not just talking this just to hear ourselves talk. We're yeah. talking these things because we're actually living it. You know, we're yeah. living our destinies. We're living our dreams. We are out here, um, uh, uh, whatever our minds can come up with, and, you know, we're always trying to find ways that we can make things better for other people. Yeah. You know, we, we just put it into play, and we just do it. Yeah. You know, and, God, and, and again, living in yeah. the now. Yeah. And God created, we're all God's children, so... There is, we don't believe in, you know, aspiring to a different, uh, a specific race or creed. We start with the premise of love, true love. And true love means that when my brother is suffering or he's not moving on the path that he should be moving on, we believe it's our obligation to help him in true love and being sincere about that. Yes. Now, you have to want to help. You you have to want to be helped. To change, yes. (laughs) You know, that's the key. You have to want to change sometimes, yes. Right. You have to want to change. So so now that uh, we're getting back to the, you know, getting ready to wrap things up, um, and I just want to reiterate um, uh, living in the now, being in the present, not living in the past. Um, Stop looking behind you. And now that you have purged that thing, that has been holding you in bondage, that thing that has been holding you captive, now you are ready to move forward in what you are passionate about and make it happen. Now those things that you have been wanting to do but have been afraid to move forward will come into Mm -hmm. your atmosphere because you have freed your soul Mm -hmm. of the shackles and weeds that have wrapped themselves around it. Walk in the now of life, my friends. Face forward on the road where you now stand. Now that you have purged your soul, look back no more. Keep your eyes on the road ahead and expect great things to come to you. With every step you take, walk with the belief that they will happen. So, Teresa, that's it for this evening. Yes, that was so powerful. I'm still stunned by it. (laughs) That was very powerful, Lisa, very powerful. Well, thank you, thank you. Yeah. Um, I just give it out as it's, as it's given to me, um, yeah. and I really want to see people walking in the now and, and just, like I said, leave the past behind you. Let yeah. it go. Let's yeah. live for the now. Let's live for the day. Um, and so with that, I want to just take the moment to really, again, thank Ms. Cheryl White for coming on and speaking with us. Um, I just can't stress enough how excited I am just to even know her, you know, just for her to even be in my life. Um, 
you know, because she has, again, she's going down in history. She's already in the history books, you know, for being the first. And, and if anybody knows anything about the racing industry, um, it, you know, I did a, was working on a documentary several, several years ago, and actually that's how I came to find Cheryl, about um, black horse jockeys, and it's a very fascinating story. If any of you, you know, want a good read, just start to, you know, Google some some information about the the industry. It's it's fascinating. It's absolutely fascinating. So, Teresa, with that, I want to thank you again, girlfriend, for coming on and sharing your wisdom with us. For knowledge is power, and when we know better, we do better. Yes, thank you for having me, Lisa. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Um, And with that, let me uh, just say once again that I will be back to share with you next Monday, which is June the 18th. Boy, this month is going by fast. Um, But until then, as usual, your mission, if you choose to accept it, is Take the necessary time to be true to yourself. Take the necessary time to do a true self-evaluation. And when I say true, I mean true. You know, don't be, we can be fake and phony around other people and with others, but it's hard to psych yourself out, you know. So take that time to do a true self-evaluation. Seek God and learn how to love yourself first because after all you really do owe it to yourself to know yourself once again i'm lisa saunders and i want to thank you for tuning in to blog talk radio a date with destiny and i'm looking forward to sharing with you next week peace and abundant blessings everyone bye-bye